Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Celtic Stuff Live. Welcome to Celtic Stuff Live on the CLNS Media Network, the leading online provider of audio and video coverage for your Boston Celtics, who just completed a sweep of the Indiana Pacers. Lots of confidence for the local media heading into this series, except for yours truly. Uh, John was very confident, and here we are on Easter Sunday. John and I are recording later in the evening after the Celtics complete the sweep. Obviously, Milwaukee's got a game to play tomorrow, and if they complete their sweep, there'll be a couple of days off, and then the Celtics will have to face the number one team in the Eastern Conference with the man who received the torch from LeBron James, Giannis Antetokounmpo. Did I get that right? God, Not at all. suck at that. Giannis Antetokounmpo. I got that. Kumpo, but close enough. Kumpo. Man, why do I suck at that? Either way, the Greek freak, which is my go-to move when I reference this player, the Greek freak really has taken the mantle in the Eastern Conference for this season. I'm not saying he's done nearly enough to fully take it, but um, they established themselves as the number one team in the Eastern Conference. He gets to take four steps just like LeBron James does. He gets to create offensive contact. And the league absolutely is in love with him. And it's going to be a difficult fight for the Celtics. But before we start looking ahead to the Milwaukee Bucks, let's talk about what the Celtics did right against the Indiana Pacers, who obviously without Oladipo were struggling in a little bit of a disarray to close out the season. That's what led to a lot of the confidence. I said this series was going to go seven. Obviously, I was wrong. Even with the absence of Marcus Smart, the team was able to, to step it up. And um, and you, on the other hand, wanted to say sweep and wound up saying, well, they'll take one in Indiana, so I'll say four and one. You were obviously, John, much closer than I was in predicting the outcome of this first-round series. I think the part that was the most encouraging for me, and I want to say Jalen Brown, and as much as I want to say Jalen Brown because the defense and then the game three performance offensively um, – Really, I mean, for all intents and purposes, not missing a shot and being the high scorer in the game was phenomenal. But I got to go to Hayward. And the reason I got to go to Hayward is the fact that here's a guy who was finishing the season strong. But a lot of times that's kind of a false sense of optimism because some teams wilt down the stretch. They're already kind of checked out mentally and ready for the postseason, especially depending on where the seating is kind of landing. I know with the Miami Heat, they had something to play for to close out the year. But Hayward's strong performance to finish the year has actually 
played out um, in in the postseason very well, and specifically in Game Four, as he knocked down two very critical three pointers and has gotten a lot more aggressive attacking the basket. And this is all really good signs for the Celtics because they really needed that second shooter that they could just rely on knock down a three pointer. Never mind the fact that. You know, Brown can do that in games, but Hayward looked super confident in game four. Well, uh, yeah. I mean, I think Hayward, Hayward is the X factor. He's the reason that I think you can look at these Celtics and say that they, this is a very different Boston Celtics team than the one we saw in October, November, December, January, February, uh, most of March and really all of even most of April. I mean, this is a, this is a team that we all expected it to be. This is a team that closed out game three and game four with the, uh, the erotic city lineup, the, the lineup of death, you know, East Coast, the, uh, whatever you want to call them, the Horford and, and four, uh, three switchable wings and, and Kyrie Irving on the court. A big reason that works is because Gordon Hayward's on the floor and it looks like Gordon Hayward again. And, you know, it's whatever you want to say about Miles Turner dunking on his face, he also got him back on a bogus that should have counted despite a bogus. Oh, call. you mean the and one? And oh yeah. That, yeah. That Dude, the officials were horrendous in so game bad. four. So, so horrendous. Game three, and game three. And, yeah. I mean, I, I saw your good. tweet during game three. I know. Like, God, <laughs> the officials are just totally Ugh. taking the wind out of their sails. But see, that's kind of the whole thing in the postseason. And that's why I said it would go seven. I felt like the Celtics were rusty mm-hmm. and the league loved seven games and Quite honestly, as you mentioned with the refs in the last two, the last two games, they certainly did their best to try to extend this series out. But the Celtics rising above that and playing above it, especially the way that they closed games three and four defensively and offensively, um, the ball movement at the end of game three was, uh, probably one of the most encouraging signs and it got better for the most, uh, most part of game four too, not just down the stretch, but just throughout the game, better passing. But you're right. I feel like the Celtics got robbed and especially Hayward, not just on that one occasion. There were a couple where it was almost like these weird phantomy fouls. There was an offensive foul on Jalen Brown towards uh, mid fourth quarter, maybe around the six minute mark. That was so curious because he didn't push off or anything. Like I still don't know what that call was supposed to be. <laughs> yeah, well, it's it's been who I, I I couldn't even I couldn't even tell you I couldn't even tell you and that that's part of the problem with the the national I was I was unfortunately subjected as you often are to the the ABC feed the ESPN feed or the CNT feed because I was out of the area internet situation wasn't good I couldn't stream so I'm watching. Wait, hold but, on. you were driving home? Were you watching on your phone? No, 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 no. Today I was home. I, I saw oh, it you today. made it home. Okay, good. I've been, yeah, I've been, uh, I've been in front of a TV. I haven't been on a screen. I've been in front of a TV, uh, for most of the time. And, you know, they, um, man, you know, it's just like the problem is, is that <laughs> you don't get that same kind of feeling of, of the referees and credit to Tom Heinsohn, of course, in making us all super hyper aware of this, but man, the stuff they missed. I mean, today, you know, the foul on, uh, the, the flagrant foul, um, when, uh, Joseph kind of goes over, uh, through, I suppose, Tatum's head. <laughs> There's a question. That's a Tatum. That's a flagrant foul. Of course, it's a flagrant foul in 2019. But anyway, I don't want to get off track. Or how about the one where he's pulling 
Kyrie Irving to the ground with him, and Kyrie gets the foul on the block. But the block was clean, and then they pull him down and actually could have hurt him. At the very least, that's a double foul. One's a technical, and maybe he got a little bit of hand. But he didn't get the elbow, and the hand is part of the ball. Like, that was actually – that chase down block was a clean block. And then – and I think it was Joseph – uh, no, no, it wasn't. It was Collison. Collison definitely grabbed Kyrie and was pulling him towards the ground. I mean, he stopped, so it wasn't horrible, but it's that initial pull when Kyrie is at his, you know, apex of his jump that's the most dangerous. Absolutely. No, that's very true. And, and we saw a number of different situations where, uh, you know, I think that that kind of bared itself out that, that really, um, they, they missed it. They missed, they, they know that they missed it, but they missed the flow of the game. They, it's, it's either too technical and, and they're so concerned with, with making a, a rating or they are, um, they're just missing the flow of play, you know, and, and, it's, I don't know, I don't know how you fix it, but right now it, it doesn't feel good in terms of how the officiating, how the flow of these games are going. Part of that may be the opponents aren't great. They aren't great teams, but also feel the problem is, is you're so hyper aware of the feeling that they're trying to dictate a storyline. They're trying to say, Oh, let's keep Indiana in this a little bit. But, you know, we got to, you better sure buckle we, up for Milwaukee, I mean, bro, because this, uh-oh. you know, especially on right. the road through the first two games, you're going to lose it. You're going to have a coronary. It, this one's <laughs> definitely going seven because it's the premier matchup of the second round in all. I think all the matchups, East, West, and Conference, both, this is the one everybody's going to be keeping their eyes on because it was the team that was supposed to win the Eastern Conference against the team who did win the Eastern Conference. And, you know, we'll, we'll still see how the injuries impact Milwaukee's play against the Celtics, but I still don't feel like we've got an answer to, uh, Giannis Antetokounmpo. But how we're not, <laughs> right? I know. We're not I mean, going to have an answer. Yeah, but, and, and it's no. almost like, but let me, let me just say this, just to tie it. I don't, I'm not ready to go to Milwaukee yet. Cause yeah, you know, okay. we'll have a break and all of that stuff. I'm not ready to go to Milwaukee yet, but just to say, you know, all they have to do is like, let him go off because what I loved about Brad Stevens in the first four games and what I love about the playoffs is he mentioned the practice and the practice is really helpful and they went back to the basics on defense and blah, 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 blah. But the fact that they get to game plan from game after game after game, this is where I think he really has a chance to earn Kyrie's respect. This is where I think that relationship grows is in the postseason because of all the little subtleties and adjustments that they'll make. And I think that's key. And when they, and just sort of, just keep that in the back of your mind for when they start to hit Milwaukee. Cause I feel like there's two strategies. One is throw everybody at Giannis. And then the second strategy is let him do whatever he wants to do and just keep everybody else in check. And that's really the two different ways to play that for the most part. And then it's who's going to guard him. And, and if they do double, you know, are they going to go with somebody like, Maybe they have Jalen Brown try to take the hardest matchup again, and then they have Kyrie bring the double and try to swat the ball away if if Brown can kind of slow the slow the motion into the paint. So, uh, but what do you think? Just with that being said, what adjustments did you see from um, Brad Stevens and the oh, Celtics in oh the Indiana God. series yeah. that really you know that's shown true for you as that that that's really the biggest key is that they can make the necessary adjustments in the playoffs. Well, I think, I think you go back to on the road, uh, in front of a hostile su- supposed environment, 
Um, where did Brad Stevens turn his eye? He turned his eye towards the, the Overotic City lineup, the, the three wings. Uh, it was Morris, uh, on game four, but it was, it was Jalen Brown in game three and going, joined by Hayward and Tatum, Kyrie and Horford. And those were the lineups that closed out games. That's, that's what Celtics fans have been clamoring for for almost two years now is to see that team on the floor together and see what they can do. And how much of it is just Hayward being better now that it doesn't cause the dynamic that it caused at the start of the season, right? Sure, sure. And I saw a really interesting dialogue between um, Keith Smith and Danger Cart talking about, you know, and this was, I think, over a week and a half ago before the postseason started, but it really, I thought of it just as we were talking about this, but you know, they were force feeding minutes to Hayward when he clearly wasn't ready, whether he wasn't physically ready, whether he wasn't emotionally ready, whether he wasn't in game shape, whatever that part of the debate was where was really the meat of it for them. But how much of force feeding those minutes did have an impulse impact. And this was danger cards point on just the chemistry of the club. And now that he's playing well, it's like it's totally fine, right? Because he's getting big time buckets. And so, you know, winning cures all ills. And so does any type of success for a player. Oh, it totally does. No. And I think that that's, that's why you stay with him. That's why Brad Stevens is Brad Stevens and everyone who questioned him. Uh, and they are out there and we all know it. Uh, those folks need to just need to shut their yap because you need to be, this is why we do this. You know, I, I remember last year, not last season, start of last season, when you and I were talking about, you know, what's going to happen, where, where this is all going to go. You know, Tatum hadn't played a game and all this before the injuries and all. And, you know, I was saying, geez, you know, I'm unsure because I don't know what these young guys can do when you're trying to put it all together. And of course, I was completely wrong about last year. But I was right in that this year, the young guys had a hard time fitting into the core with so many people. And, and so you had that on top of the fact you had Kyrie, remember too, coming back for injury. Hayward coming back from injury. So much instability. Hayward needed safe spaces. He needed confidence. He needed someone throwing him out there. And Kyrie needed the ball too. And Kyrie had to have the ball in his hand. And they all did. You know, and they tried to share the ball. And, you know, you and I can get into that a little bit here in the postseason, but (laughs) we definitely will. Hey, just a reminder, everybody, you can follow Celtic Stuff Live on Twitter at CSL underscore tweet live, as well as your host. Follow me at CSL underscore Justin. John is at CSL underscore Duke. The entire CLNS media network at CLNS media. Facebook.com slash CLNS fans and download the CLNS media app for iOS and Android. Simply search for CLNS Media in your app marketplace. YouTube.com slash CLNS Media for high-definition, full-length locker room interviews, the Garden Report, the Roundtable, and yours truly, Celtic Stuff Live. Find it all at YouTube.com slash CLNS Media. So, John, uh, just kind of continuing on that thread before we before we get to the Kyrie stuff and all that, the chemistry is coming together. One guy that you felt as Hayward was getting better down the stretch was somebody that was really their value was completely dissolving down the stretch and was having maybe an impact on chemistry. Somebody who had been inserted into the starting lineup and has since lost their spot in that lineup. And we're not talking about Marcus Smart who got injured. We're talking about Marcus Senor and he <laughs> sad to bring that back. And so, Marcus Morris Sr. 
is a guy that you've criticized immensely, but he had a great role, not only in, in, uh, in game three, but definitely in game four. Well, both games, both games, a big hand, you know, and kind of lifting the Celtics up off the bench. But, you know, game four was a, was one where they really, really got contributions from the players off the bench. But what's your take on Morris and do you like the way he's playing or do you just yeah. like it because he's hot again? I, th- I know what I like about, no, cause he was horrendous in game two, I believe. Um, Absolutely. not good. Oh, for eight, I think. Uh, no, what I like about Marcus Morris is he's playing a role. He's playing the role that he was, he should have been playing throughout this season. He played well enough today. He, he deserved to finish that game today. I, I'm all for rewarding who plays well. If Terry Rozier, who has played well in, in, in several stretches through these He's loving games. Marcus Smart being injured right now. Well, he's he getting is, the minutes. But, I mean, not because he's glad that Marcus is hurt, but he loves the minutes and he loves the stage. And yeah. this is the playoff Terry that kind of carried into last season that right. dissolved during this season again. But he's, what, what's, I think what's important, he's, he's making an impact in his time. You know what I mean? Like he's taking 20 minutes. He's at 22 minutes and you felt him on the floor and yeah, not, a in a, big not in a threes, negative way. Couple of Hard yeah. drives to the basket, De- a defensively. defensive steal. Absolutely. Defensively, he's, he's playing good hard defense. He's playing 94 feet in a lot of cases. He's making, he's making them feel him for 94 feet, which is really what they're going to need him to do against Milwaukee. But I, yeah, I, I like what Morris is doing. I like the fact that he's the third, fourth guy catching the ball instead of, you know, a guy who's the second catch and then he's putting the ball up. I mean, I think there's just a better flow to how this whole thing is going. And as that guy on the bench, it's perfect. It allows everything to kind of find its place. And, you know, by having him share a lot of time with Hayward, you know, Hayward's moving the ball. I mean, Terry is playing a bit more of a facilitation role. They're really not having any moments without Horford or Kyrie on the court. So even if it's stagnant, it's Kyrie getting those buckets. So it's their high efficiency. If he's not in there, and that's when largely when Morris is in, that's when you've got to have uh, you know, Horford out there who's moving the ball a little bit more. So I think it's great. The rebounding's good. His defense has been good. Uh, again, not a great game too, but that's okay. I think as long as he's pushing the reserve role and they play, it played eight today. Tice with just a handful of minutes in the start of the second quarter or the end of the second quarter. I think that that's a, a good road, you know, good rotation for them to stick with. The question is, what do you do when Marcus Smart comes back? You're two weeks now since the injury today. Three weeks would be really be probably a game two-ish, maybe. Uh, it doesn't sound like he's been running. So it's going to be, at least another week, maybe two. Uh, we're going to be maybe on the further end of that four to six or three to five, depending upon who you believe on their timetable. So they're going to have to do some part of this series, maybe a game, maybe four or five games without Marcus Smart. The rotation works now. Will it work as well? You know, when we get into that Milwaukee series, that will be that when they have to kind of find some minutes and shoehorn him in. It feels like those young guys have a bit more time to find their, their, their flow, to find their, their balance. And it seems to work well. One other thing I'm just going to add just on this, you know, and this, it's worth kind of talking about this. There was a period of time in the game today where you had Horford, Tatum, Hayward, Kyrie, and I think Morris was on the floor. Not on the floor, obviously, was Smart, Brown, and a handful of draft picks. And I'm just thinking, you know, if you could make an Anthony Davis deal with Smart, 
Brown and a handful of draft picks and take out Marcus Morris, that'd be a pretty tough team to play with. Just thinking as I was watching the game today, just kind of like kind of daydreaming a little bit as as you're kind of thinking about where to go. Didn't mean to make that as pull off off the you know off the the, the highway in this conversation, but it's just when you, when you see that it's like. Man, you could, this could get really crazy with uh, that guy in the mix. But anyway, that's, I, I think Morris is, is, I think they have a great flow right now. I think, and I think, I don't see that why they would change based upon matchups. I think Baines is, is probably might be more important against Milwaukee. Um, if he can stay with, uh, you know, I think that he, he will fit in fine. He may have a little bit larger role, um, and maybe less so for some other guys. We'll see. Ugh, I don't even want to talk about that. I'm, <laughs> I'm, so, about it. I'm so in love with Brown right now and the way that no, he's playing. You, you've just, always been in love with Brown. Well, no, I left his side a little bit. You no. know, I kind of definitely went with Tatum as my favorite throughout you, this season. You still got it the lock in picture in it. I get yeah. it. <laughs> Dude. The high top it barely fits in the little locket, but it, it fits. Oh, you're killing me, bro. All I'm saying is this. <laughs> When he gets aggressive, like, look, he hit some major three-pointers. He's taking the hardest defensive assignment, and he's learning to attack and pull up earlier when he knows that that the full lane isn't there. They're so used to him going hard without even thinking, and now he's stopping and pulling up. Like, he's getting so mature in his game. And he's willing to play a role. One of the things Brad said about game three was he didn't force anything. He took what was given to him. Like he's just getting to that point. Sure. And now we're talking about spinning him out. And, and, and honestly, like I really want Brown and Tatum to stay together. I want to see them grow together. I don't want, you know, that's, it's not Perk and Al Jefferson, right? Remember we wanted those two to grow as the power forward and center of the future, but this is different. These two guys have the ability to be superstars in this league. You know, 10 years from now, think about this. 10 years from now, neither one of them, you know, is going to really be, well, they're going to be in the middle of their prime, maybe a little bit towards the end of it. That's 10 seasons of those two guys um, getting better and better and better probably every single year barring injury. And I'm having a hard time. The more I see Brown become more mature, I'm having a harder and harder time seeing him you know, or envisioning him in a different uniform. I, I understand that. And I, and I agree that that play at the, end of the end of game two, where he drove, draw the defense in and then kicked it out to Tatum in the corner for the three. Um, that was, that's that progression that we've been waiting. We've been looking at. He played a, a whale of a game. Uh, he's really had this. I'd say probably game four was his weakest um, of 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 the all the games uh in in this series and, and and all four he's he's made his presence felt and you know the idea that Bill Simmons had early on that they couldn't even trade him away if they wanted to uh, I think we can safely put that one to bed uh, what an idiotic <laughs> statement that that's was the mo- that's ludicrous you know there's only one player that was picked after Brown that I would potentially take instead of Brown. And it was the other ironic. Yeah. And that's the player. If you remember, that was my B. I was like, if Mm -hmm. we can't get Brown, then I want Jamal Murray. Those were my two picks for that draft, you know, knowing what would be available at the Celtics and, and knowing that, um, you know, Ben Simmons was going to go, he went number one, that that draft, correct? 
Yes. Yeah. It was Simmons and then your boy from Duke who, I mean, I, I would still take Brown over Ingram anytime. So. Well, and especially with the, what's going on with him with the, uh, the blood clot issue. That's a whole nother, that's a whole nother even thing. Even then though, even remove that the from the scenario, just yeah. a, even as the player, you know, it just, it was exactly what Danny and everybody said, you know, Brown's got an NBA ready body. And yet, you know, he's a teenager. I mean, that, and, and he's gotten stronger. And again, these are all the things I think about. I mean, look, I get it. I get the Anthony Davis appeal. I understand it. I'm probably the only idiot who doesn't want to trade Brown for him, you know, and all the different pieces. And, and again, one of the things that happened to this team this season is that the length of the rotation is long. And one of the benefits, just how you led into this, of Marcus Smart going down is the tighter rotation. And all of a sudden, Terry's playing better. And all of a sudden, Marcus Morris is playing better. And some of it's just being in the postseason, and we'll never be able to tease out which is causing what and to what degree and what percentage. That We'll all just have, like, hunches. But, yeah, that 11-man rotation doesn't work. It just is too long. And it's funny because I remember we used to criticize Doc Rivers for having such a short rotation. Ah, why doesn't he go to the young guys? Which makes a lot of sense during the regular season, except it didn't make a lot of sense this regular season for this Celtics team. And, you know, we're fortunate enough to see them pulling these rotations together with the shortened up one. And and so from that point of view and roster construction, it does make sense to kind of shorten it up. But look, Marcus Morris is going to be gone next year. I mean, this could be a year where you just don't have to get anybody in free agency. And you you take, you know, Morris out of it, and maybe you spin out, you know, Rozier for a pick, and you still got basically the essence of this squad, but then you've got a nine-minute, you know, nine-man rotation. I think the hardest part and the biggest lacking, and this is this is where I might budge on my stance by the end of the postseason, is they just don't have a big man in the middle. Um, I love Baines and Baines is definitely putting forth his best defensive effort, you know, and, and, you know, he's getting the start, but he's not getting the finish, but man, they just, they need more substance inside. And, and so that's where I may soften depending on how this all plays out as, as we watch the rest of the playoffs. Well, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a question of where you want to allocate your assets, I guess. Right. And so you look at, you look at Baines and you say, you know, He's what four million dollars a year. It's it. I mean, he's he, he's performing adequately, more than adequately for what he's getting paid. It's a question of okay, you've got a a, a soon to be max player uh, in Jason Tatum, a max power forward slash center in Al Horford, a soon to be probably I'd say near max. I think Jalen's you know pay situation is going to be very interesting to watch. Certainly maxing out Irving, maxing out Hayward. It's hard to figure you just out. You can't figure out how you're going to pay everybody. I, I yeah. get it. I get you know, it. But, but you're right. So one of those has to go away effectively to bring in a bigger guy, Reed Anthony Davis, in my mind. Yeah. You know, but, but it could be Horford, but it, it could. Yeah. So who knows? It's so we'll, we'll see that this is, we're in the middle of the playoffs, so we don't want to drag right. that out. That's what we're, <laughs> that's what we'll do between that. You know, between the draft, basically. Plenty of time. And yeah, exactly. <laughs> so plenty of time for that. 
Um, I am going to tell everybody, uh, with the second season underway in the NBA and the Celtics going to be squaring off against the Milwaukee Bucks. It, it, there's no way they're going to drop this baby. Uh, you know, they might Monday night and they might take it in five, but they've got that series essentially wrapped up. So the Celtics are going to square off against the Bucks in the second round. And I'm wondering, is your confidence high? Are you willing to place a wager and you don't know where to start? There is only one place to go to get in on all this action. Grab the odds and allow the experts at betonline.ag. Let them do the heavy lifting for you. Sports, live betting, virtual casino, you name it, betonline.ag is CLNS Media's preferred sports book online. If you're feeling lucky and you'd like to support our podcast, go to clnsmedia.com slash CSL and use promo code CLNS50 for a 50% sign-up bonus. That's CLNS50 at betonline.ag or go to clnsmedia.com slash CSL. BetOnline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. And, John, we've got to talk about the Kyrie stuff, and then we're going to preview the Milwaukee series. And the only reason we're going to bring up the Kyrie stuff is because offhandedly, before we got started recording, I said to you, you know, Kyrie, there are just moments where the hot dogging just bothers me. And he really wasn't great shooting-wise. I love his defensive effort. I mean, I've, I've got to take my hat off to him. You know, in the postseason, that extra level has been phenomenal. I mean, he's caused turnovers. There, he was in a mismatch, I think, at one point with um, Bogdanovich, and they never even exploited it, and then he knocked the ball loose. Like, look, hats off to the defensive effort from Kyrie, but there are just times when he just doesn't have it going offensively, and then he still jacks that three from five steps back. Like, that's the shot that's going to get him going, and it drives me nuts. There are times when he comes in, and then he he gets – it's not really an it's not really an ISO because they don't set it up like they set up their ISOs, but he still kind of dribbles into that side of the floor and everybody clears out like an ISO, except he's left with a double team. And then there's nobody behind him for him to kick the pass out on, and that's when he really starts forcing, you know, a couple of shots. And I just – there are moments like that – and it's one thing when he's feeling it, it's like, Hey, you know what, Kyrie, you can do no wrong. Everything's going to drop. You know, it's like throwing the, the basketball into the pond. It's, it, it's whatever. But when he's struggling, like he was in games, games three and four, I mean, just offensively shooting wise, it bugs the crap out of me. I really wish he'd just keep moving the ball because honestly, the best thing that came out of games three and four on the road was the confidence of the rest of his teammates. So he should have kept feeding him, especially I felt like, you know, they could have found, I know Brown only took what was given to him, but the doubles that, that Kyrie was seeing the entire game three should have created more opportunities for the hot hand. And I just want to see him exploit that more as we move forward. Okay. Uh, I, I think that what we saw that I would, I would agree that today was really a, a, a strong effort from Kyrie to knowing, knowing he doesn't have it going and finding the open guy. A uh, number of instances today where, you know, clearly he knew it just wasn't happening for him. He made the right play. Except for that one uh, early, I mean, come on. In the fourth he, quarter, he, okay. he was like use, four steps back. Okay. And, and like the defense hadn't even set and he was already jacking a three. Yeah, but it works. That, that's the thing. Like in terms of his percentages, he's like far and away, like their best player, their best shooter. Those are high percentage plays. Those are good shots. No, this they're not. Good NBA shot. 2019. Justin, you it. need to, Dude. you need to get out of 1985. It doesn't make it right. It doesn't today. make it right. Right. Yes, it does. All right, so, all right, so listen. <laughs> find me the st- 
statistics says, that says Kyrie with four seconds off the shot clock in the possession from four steps back from three point land in a game where he's shooting, you know, less than 40% from the field. Show me that that is a good shot. How many games have you seen this year where he's had a bad first half? I already told you. Strong second half. As soon as, as soon as, no, 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 plenty of them. As soon as, as soon as he, hold on, as soon as he has it going, like I said, I preface this, (laughs) when he's dropping it, like he's throwing a basketball into a pond, no big deal when he's Uh feeling it, but not four steps back that early in a shot clock when you've got other players who are playing well and he's cold, that makes no sense to me. He's trying to get himself going. It's it's horrible. There are other it works, ways. But it works for him. It you doesn't work because it, it didn't work today. He missed the shot and he still oh, sucked down the stretch. That, they call that a small sample size. That's exactly what that is. That's what that statistical anomaly is. It's a small sample size. You're taking one instance and you're saying, ah, oh, you know. I mean, look, first of all, they won look, the game. They yeah. won the game by a decent amount. They, they swept him by four games. This was his worst game by far. Okay. He, his, his true shooting percentage for the series is 57%. Okay. His, his usage is 30%. His, the offensive rating is 116. He's, his, the, has the highest offensive rating by 13 points. His game score is 20. The next highest is Tatum. I mean, he is doing it all. And I, you're right. As a traditional point guard, he is not. He, the mold is gone. But look at what Harden's doing. I mean, if you think this is awful, you just start watching some Houston Rockets games and you will, we'll have to lock you up. I mean, I don't even know how you would make it through this Rocket stuff live with, look, uh, look, you know, when he is on oh fire, I have no problem with it. It's but that's when not the way he's the game's not. played. Yeah, it should be. It but should it's not. Be. No, but when you, you have, have this to get much started. Talent. No, no, no. When you have this much talent on your team and other guys are hitting shots and he's committed to playing defense the way he is, he doesn't need to jack shots like that to get himself going. He can get open shots by feeding the other players and moving the ball around. He can get the double team off his ass or he can continue to draw the double team and never take a shot and make them look stupid. At some point, the defense is going to adjust. If everybody else on the team is going through a funk, and I'll even reference games one and two, the low-scoring efforts, you know what I mean? Brown didn't have it going. Tatum was still struggling. Both of those players got more aggressive on the road, trying to attack the rim and generate offense, never mind the fact that they weren't hitting free throws. But, you know, that that whole thing, then I say go for it, Kyrie. Right. But when you've got two or three players that are taking advantages of mismatches, attacking in transition, generating offense, you know, he's not going to win this on his own. Okay. Even if everybody else plays stellar defense, other guys have to hit big shots like Hayward did in game four. Let me ask a question. I agree with you. I agree. I, I agree with everything you just said there. What would you guess his percentages before today's game? So he's entering today's game. What would you guess his his shooting percentage from three point land was? Kyrie's? Yeah, Kyrie. Probably forty five. Fifty percent. Yeah. His overall percentage was forty five percent. Okay. Now Yeah, he's I mean but that was heading into game four. So what was it after game four? So but what well I don't have the I don't have the, the the totals as of now, but I'm just saying you're going into this game, okay? You're in the flow, you are Kyrie Irving, right? You've made half of your threes. 
That's blistering. That's a blistering percentage. I mean, that's insane, right? At what point do you stop being Kyrie Irving? You know what I'm saying? Like you're still he was 0 for four you're, from what three point you, land and four for thirteen. He okay. shot thirty percent today. Yeah. And he shot zero percent from beyond the arc. That immediately takes those numbers down. Right? Now the sure. whole team shot bad from beyond the arc. So, you know, I don't think there was anybody who was necessarily other than Hayward, somebody that you wanted to shoot from beyond the arc today. Right? And and so I get it. I, I get it. You want him to get off that way, but he just, I think he should get off by attacking the paint. That's what Isaiah Thomas used to do. He would go and just, oh, God. Destroy. No, this listen. Is, this is no, awful. No, no, no. You're this kidding is me. not awful. This is a joke, right? No, no, he should do it at the line. He should Why do it at the line. Why can't he be more like Isaiah Thomas? Come on. I'm no. just saying. <laughs> Oh my God! You know what he did? Okay, but what he's doing is better than Isaiah Thomas. Yeah, I agree. I agree. But so not be shooting, better than the guy who's worse not, than you. He already no, no, is. No, no, no. I'm he just won. saying. No, not <laughs> listen. Manufacture offense by getting into the paint and getting to the free okay. throw line. Jack in a three from four steps back when you're cold and shooting like crap. And and honestly, even. Even in game three, like he was cold in game he three took, too. He took thirteen shots today, Justin. That's yeah, and, he hit, and he hit four. No, so, so why did he, he shoot he, that one crazy adjusted. one? Like I don't one shot. So this is all because of one but, shot. But he Come does on. it all the time. All the time. He shot thirteen shots today. He's, right. he, he had a bad day. I, I won't disagree with you, but he, he, he didn't have a great game. He was a minus 10, the plus minus. Seven but, for 19 in game three for 36% from the field. But yeah. you're right. Three for seven from the, beyond the arc, 40, almost 43%. I, all I'm saying is even seven, what was it? It was nine for 17. Is that what you said? No. What did I you say? Nine for what? I'll tell you. Uh, seven for 19. Okay. Seven Which is still 36% from the field. That's what you want him to be from beyond the arc. But he was, he was better from beyond the arc. Cause if, in that game, he was 43% from beyond the arc. If he's taking 30 shots and is shooting them at low per, at a low percentage, I'm upset. Okay. That's what you're saying. So you're fine because it was only 13. I'm saying, yeah. I'm saying, four. You're like, whatever. Arguably, he got everybody else involved. Arguably. You might win. You might have just won that one. I, I think I can bite that. Well, I'm just saying, arguably what I'd say is, he should be shooting himself up to 20. Like, how many games are we going to win where Kyrie Irving is shooting 13 shots? Actually, it could be a lot. If it they could were, be. It could be representative of everybody else playing better and them playing as a team offensively and moving the ball, so, which is what we want. Which is what we want, but we haven't seen a lot of evidence of until the last three games. So that kind of goes into Out the next four phase, in the park right? season. Right. Well, that's, but that's the point, right? That's the whole point is what we're saying is there's a very clear demarcation point here, right? Which is before today, everything sucked. You and I were angry and bitter and frustrated, and I somehow had some sort of optimism that they were going to turn it around and play differently in this oh, round make it than everything we had. <laughs> what? What's that? I said <laughs> don't make it personal. I'm just kidding. No, no, I'm just saying. Like I just thought that might happen. You said I've seen 82 games of slop, of garbage, 
hot, I just didn't think he turned it. And, and it's, it's the four, and it's the four five matchup. So you predicted uh, that they'd, no, no, listen, you predicted that they'd win, but I yeah. predicted that the officials would make sure this went seven. Okay, That's specifically right. what I said. And right. you've already admitted that you agree right. with me that the officials did their best, put, put their best foot forward and yes. to that end. So, no, no doubt, no doubt, no doubt. But, but that's, I, I get, I'm, what I'm saying though is, it's very hard to judge what we think the Celtics are. Everybody who's going to talk about the next, I think this is kind of where we pivot to the next series, which is to say, okay, are we going to go by the last four games, which is who really we thought in large part, there's still now they're going to be somewhere issues. in between because, uh, well, are they? Because the, yeah, not. because the team that they just played, you know, not was great. clearly not great and clearly on a down, downward yeah. spot outside of Detroit, the best matchup for the first round. Oh, by no far. doubt. By no far. Doubt. Of all, both, all conferences. Here's the deal. The Celtics have played three games, I think, against the Bucks during the regular season. One at the yeah. very beginning, November 1st. That's, That's right. the only one the Celtics won. Then they lost right before Christmas, right. 120 to 107, and obviously the nail biter in February, which was a one point loss, 98, 97. So the Bucks have gotten the last two. Mm-hmm. I guess the question is, you're saying which team are we going to see? I'll say this one thing. And I don't think it goes like this, but if that crappy Celtics team that won one at the beginning of the season and still was struggling, you know, actually I thought they were doing pretty good around right before Christmas, but then they fell back again at, you know, in the new year. But, um, but if the team in February, as much in disarray as they still were and without Hayward still only loses a hardly, uh, hotly contested, one point loss, 98, 97. If, if, if we even get a 10% kicker on that team based on the last series and the fact that Hayward is better, that does start to edge this series that you can start to have some confidence in the Celtics taking it. Make no mistake though, the game seven prediction definitely holds for the series against the Bucks. There's no way this one ends in six. Are you going to tell me it's going to end in six? Yep. You're going to say six. Yep. You're going to say Celtics in six. Mm-hmm. Okay, yes, so they split. All right, so the way you're looking at this then is you're saying they split the first two in Milwaukee. Mm-hmm. So do Celtics take game one or game two? They take game one. Oh, they have to take game one on the split, though. They don't to, have to. to but well, they, they, they do to get it done in six, in my opinion, because having Probably. to win that, to have to win that many games in a row. It's tough. Yeah. yeah. Yep. So they take the first, it's gotta be game one and everybody knows that. Anybody who's got the home court disadvantage knows that game one is their game. You know, if you, that's the one you take it early, you punch him in the mouth, you know, just like Kevin Garnett would say, punch the bully in the mouth and, and then you just try to own home court the rest of the way. And if you could steal another one on the road, great. So you're saying one, one and one. So he's got to take game one and then. They go back home for two games, right? It's not two, three, two. It's two, 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 one. Correct? It's, it's two, two, one, one, one. Oh, that's right. Two, two, one, one, one. The two, three, two is only in the finals. So then the Celtics get two and you're saying they take game one, they lose and then they win the next two at home. So you're saying that they go back. No, no. No. So you're thinking they win two on the road. I think they win two on the road. So this series splits. Mm-hmm. This series splits through the first three games. 
First four games. I mean, first yeah. four, uh, yeah, but first four three. games. Yeah, I guess. So, yeah. yeah, no, it's four games, one and one and one and one. You're going to so win go one back, and five. So they go back to Milwaukee, two and two, and they take another one in Milwaukee and then win it at home in game six. That's right. No way. Yep. Two games in Milwaukee, games yep. one and five in Milwaukee. Tell me something. What do you, what worries you about playing in Milwaukee? Nothing, the nothing about the no, nothing about the Milwaukee fan base. What, what, just what definitely the, the officials. The team. Did. What what has the, what have the Milwaukee Bucks done? Okay, they have played. They a won great the Eastern Conference, and they want this series one. to go. What did they win? Seven. They, you know what? That's like that's like all those banners they have hanging up in the in the Indianapolis Colts. You know, or you know, <laughs> it's like look, they're they, they were a historically great team. Tip your cap to them. It's wonderful. This is a this is a different season, and I think that's what we that's when we go back to which Celtics team is this is. This is not the same regular season, and the Bucks are not getting tested against the Pistons. This is this is weird. I, I frankly, I think it's a problem for them. I, I think, think it would be awesome. Get pushed. I the think Celtics it would, did yeah. get it kicked. I think they did get that push. You know, I think that this is exactly what the Celtics. Yeah, needed. you feel like they got tested enough. To exactly. keep their confidence high right. and be ready and battle tested, whereas Milwaukee's kind of you feel like taking a walk in the park. Mm-hmm. It almost wouldn't be bad though for Milwaukee to lose Game Four on Monday night. That would give the Celtics just a little bit more time to game plan, a little bit more rest, yeah. and it would just be like one of those things where oh, we didn't close it out. You know what I mean? It would just mm-hmm. plant that little seed into Milwaukee that would be super beneficial, and th- and then I'm thinking. The Celtics definitely get game one on the road, or that's definitely an opportunity to to take that one. Um, But I I think if – I still think it's going seven, but I do think the Celtics win one – win one on the road, probably game one, but I think they lose one at home too. Yeah. I just – I they're good. Look, the Bucks are good. Giannis is good. Giannis is going to is going to be a load and really challenging. Do you think the the Boston playoff – atmosphere is going to get in his head is that why I you feel so confident will. about I, home games i absolutely do i think that the celtics fans are going to be ready i think this is not quite going up against lebron you know latter day lebron heat lebron where everybody hated him this is like early days going against lebron this is like you know that that pierce uh you know calves you know that the one that went seven that type of Okay, he's not a bad guy, but we definitely want to beat him. <laughs> beat him badly. They respect how good he is, but they're going to try to get in his head. And I think that's exactly what this is going to play out. I think Brogdon is a big problem um, to not for, for the Bucks not to have. I mean, right now <laughs> they're starting. Storming he did Brown such a great, a great job, just kind of directing the offense when it wasn't in Giannis's hands. And he's dangerous. He is a, definitely a glue guy. Yeah, yeah, he's now, dangerous. He do they have Della Vadova? Is that their kind of? Is, is that their their light version uh, of, of of Brogdon? Is that no of Brogdon? No, that, who I, the, no. who's who's I in think, his who's the facilitator think, offensively without Brogdon? Well, I mean. I, I mean George Hill, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I don't, I don't know who it is. I don't know who the who you would go to if you're if you're you know, I mean you like know, Middleton's Milwaukee. a shooter, but he's not going to be the one. It looks like Bledsoe. It looks see, like Bledsoe yeah, is the see, guy that they have in that in that spot, but This is the thing. I don't think that they have 
they don't have anybody who does what he does. You know what I mean? Yeah. I don't think that there is a, there's a, oh, well, now we, we don't have Brogdon, so now we plug this guy into the mix. I mean, Sterling Brown's playing 24 minutes for them. You know, yeah. Pat Connaughton's playing 26 minutes for them. Ilya Soba's playing yeah, 26 minutes. Issue. They, they have, they, their depth At is the very least, this. the seven game does tip a little bit the Celtics way because of that. Do you, so do you think right. this series is going to be super physical? It's going to be. The Celtics no, need to make it physical, right? I think they need to be physical with Giannis. I think they really need to try as much as they can to, to, to make him want to shoot, uh, to pull him out, keep him out of the paint, um, try to force him to try to think he can, hit that 15 to 20 foot shot. And if he does, I don't know much more you can do with it, but Al Horford is the key. This is all the series is about Al Horford. Yep, he's Al- got swings in how he's defended uh, Giannis too, right? And, like there are and, times right. when he looks like he can lock him down. Right. And then there's times where it's like, just like his lunch is getting eaten. It's and 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 then on the other side, Bledsoe is going to have to guard Kyrie. Somehow, I don't think Sterling Brown's going to be that guy. I think they're going to have to put Bledsoe on him. And if that's the case, I like our chances in that case. I, I, then, then it's kind of then, okay, how do the chess pieces fall? You know, Middleton was incendiary last year. He was completely ridiculous, but I like, I like what we have with Tatum and Hayward and Brown to either throw at him or I just or think we've got to be athletic. I really want yes. I want him to come out of that sport thing, force turnovers, attack mm-hmm. in transition. Like they've they've got to turn this into what we've always loved about that Houston Rockets matchup in the past, right? Just up and down the floor. They they got to play that Western Conference style of ball. I think against Milwaukee, it could hurt them. They could definitely get beat up a little bit in transition defense themselves. But man, if they can get Milwaukee playing a little loose without somebody to kind of rein them in and pull it together, they could really score a couple of, like, you know, several baskets in bunches that would really help them establish a a good lead or take a lead. That first set of substitution. So Giannis is probably going to play most of the games. Don't you think? He's probably going to be like at 39 minutes a game, 38, almost guaranteed. Well, you know, it's, it, I was going back and looking at the box scores. So he played 36 against Boston in the first game. He played 36 in the, in the third game and he only played 30, 33 in the second game, which was the blowout. It was a blowout. Game. Yeah. It was a blowout. So it's, it's not as if they're not used to him playing high volume of minutes. And that, the blowout game, I think, is its own category. Not to say it doesn't count. Doesn't say that couldn't happen again. But I, I really uh, think Celtics those were in a weird, games, weird spot. Yeah. They, sure. they were. I think those two games, the close ones, are really much more indicative of where the series will go. And what's interesting as well, in both of those games, he did not hit a negative plus minus in both games. So, Giannis, he has had issues with the Celtics. And it, there doesn't seem to be at this point that he's figured out, figured out how to get around it. At some point he might, it might be now, but my sense is the Celtics are rising. The Bucks may be great, but are the, have the Celtics overtaken them? Have they, the Celtics, the Milwaukee Bucks have been great for 86 games. The Celtics have been good for four. Can they make up that gap of not having that? camaraderie and that flow and that chemistry that Milwaukee clearly exhibits, uh, though without Brogdon, but the Celtics too are without, you know, Marcus Smart, who is a key piece.
All right. Well, that's going to do it because we're going to be back in a week and we'll be able to talk a lot more and we'll at least have a game one and likely a game two in the books by the time you and I sit back and talk about where things are at. So we'll be able to kind of check ourselves and see how accurate we were. But this broadcast will be available on demand on the CLNS Media mobile app. And don't forget to follow us on Twitter at CSL underscore Justin and at CSL underscore Duke. A heartfelt thank you to everybody for tuning in. And remember that you can help support the show by subscribing to Celtic Stuff Live on iTunes and Stitcher. We'd love it if you gave us a rating and a review because your feedback is important to all of us here at the show. And for staff writer Samuel Elias, executive producer Larry H. Russell, I didn't let you have your shout out. For staff writer Samuel Elias, executive producer Larry H. Russell, and the founder of CLNS Media, Nick Gelso, and of course my co-host John Duke, I'm Justin Poulin. Thank you for listening to this week's edition of Celtic Stuff Live. Celtic Stuff Live. So, it you know, looking at Toronto, it, it seems like they're going to run away, and I know we're recording this, but it looks like they're going to run away with it against the magic. So I feel like they're definitely going to clear that series and uh, Philly looks to be in the driver's seat in theirs as well. So yeah, and I don't want to take anything for granted, but I think, I think that, you know, it definitely becomes Philly and, and Toronto a little bit behind the determination, obviously of the Celtics and the Bucks. But how do you think that one falls? I mean, Philly's playing pretty, pretty strong. And I mean, they didn't even have Embiid for a game at the same time, you know, Brooklyn's got that whole mess there. They're super pissed and feel like they got jobbed. Um, you think Philly's playing strong enough that this falls the way that you and I wanted to, where <laughs> the Celtics got, you know, they, they get the, the bugs right. maybe before they're fully battle tested in the postseason. They beat them up a little bit. They get out and then all of a sudden they're playing Philly. We've got Philly's number, but that budding rivalry is still 100% in play. That becomes the Eastern Conference Finals. It was definitely the most entertaining series. I mean, I know the Milwaukee, I mean, the Cleveland Cavaliers one was great, but don't don't think for a second, even though the Celtics won it in short order, that that Philly series wasn't one of the most entertaining ones uh, in the Eastern Conference playoffs last year, and that was without you know these players. Um, you got to wonder, man. I don't know. So so do you think uh, you think this is still heading Philly's way, and that that our master plan <laughs> will be uh, enforced? What I worry about is Embiid's knee because. Um, him not playing that game was really, I think in large part, Philly plays better with only one of those two guys there. So, um, how about Tobias Harris stepping up though? He did. He played great. He was amazing. You know, I, I, I don't know if they have enough to get by, uh, Toronto, but I think that if, if Embiid is right, he could really, Cause some problems there for, for Toronto. Oh, and, and that the only thing you can root for there is you want a long series and you want it to be Philly. That's, that's the, that's the goal on the other side. But you want these first rounders to go a little long. If they and can in that second one. Sure. I mean, whatever it takes to get, to get Toronto, uh, exhausted. Cause honestly, cause I Kawhi want, scares me against us. I'm just going to be honest with really? you. Yeah, he's, I just feel like he's so strong defensively. You know, he can really, I mean, I know he's strong offensively too, but that's not what scares me. The Celtics have to put up with strong offensive players all the way through the postseason. Sure. It's just his defense has the ability to change the complexion of the game a 100%. I, I think that, uh, he, yeah, I, well, I, I, you know, he's a great player. I mean, I'm not, don't, nothing to take. He's somebody you worry about him 
he, you always worry about him. If whatever's happening, wherever the ball is, you you are concerned about where Kawhi is. Uh, so that's that's one side of it. Um, I worry about really the whole the whole thing. Siakam, uh, you know, they just play with an energy and a ferocity. Yeah, Siakam's killing. Um, he really is. I mean, there there is offensively, they are they are just really really strong. Um, and they aren't singularly focused, so they make it very difficult to, to defend. Um, not unlike Boston. You mean they really. don't jack threes from, no, oh boy. <laughs> oh boy. No, but I mean, in all seriousness though, they, they are, they, that's, you know, whether it's Finn Vliet or you want to talk, you know, Danny Green could get hot or, you know, there's just so many there's different some depth there. weapons yep, there. There's some depth just there. Just like Boston, you yep. know, and so that's, but, no question, they don't have anybody who's like Embiid. And there's nothing really that Kawhi can do about Embiid. So if Embiid gets going, he'd be a problem. What I worry about is that Philly somehow starts to figure it out. And then they, you know, they don't play as stupid as they do when they play against us. Yep. It, it, it's all, we'll you're it. saying that the Toronto series could battle test them. So that they're ready for the Celtics. It could, yep. but I still want our plan to go into effect because I still think that's, that's our best. That's the best bet. That's the best, best yeah. foot forward is to, to see Philly and then. Isn't it funny? Like the one team that we're all scared of, it's not Golden State. It's not Houston. As it's a fan, Toronto as an Raptors. educated fan base, how is it that the team that never gets it done in the postseason is the one that we always put the asterisks on in terms of our ability to, to beat them? Right. And, you know, it, 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 how funny is that? Well, anyway, TBD, we're not there yet, but we'll hopefully be there soon. So this next series is going to be one hell of a one to watch. Absolutely. Should be fun. Long and fun. Can't wait.